Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. This is Drew. What's up, in-betweeners? <laughs> Why are you uh, laughing, dude? What's so funny about that? that that's nothing. my new greeting for the intro, man. No, it's just, uh, every time you say say that, I'm just compelled to, to do what I can to uh, derail that, just... Because I abhor the business of podcasting so much. <laughs> <laughs> we are not whores. I mean, you unless you pay me, game. unless you pay me, then you know there's no yeah. there's no level of debauchery that I will not put myself through if you if you were to put a dollar in front of me. Yeah, but no one's paying us to record this. Yeah, so, so therefore I have to pretend like I have integrity. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just have to show disdain for, you know, anytime. I, I have to have it on record that, uh, you know, anytime someone tries to do any of the things that we hear in other podcasts, <laughs> I just... Smash that like button! Yes, I'm, I seethe at the very thought of it. Don't forget to hit the bell and subscribe! Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to leave a uh, review, five stars only! Uh, What's uh here at Squarespace? <laughs> <laughs> but again, if Squarespace Squarespace paid us, I would gladly shill for them. Yeah, I mean, right now we are completely independent. <laughs> we are nobody is paying us, so that's yeah. how all of you listeners know that everything that we're saying is completely unfiltered. Yeah, you're just totally gorging off our un unadulterated, yeah, unfiltered hate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so today's episode, uh, we're with the uh, release of the new Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi film coming out uh, on September 3rd. Uh, we thought we would do a brief refresher on Shang-Chi, the character, and uh, you know, just go over some of the comics that he's been involved in, a little bit of his backstory and uh, the character history, and just what some of our personal thoughts are on the character. How'd that sound? It'll probably be more about our personal thoughts on the character. <laughs> yeah. We We've had got to a couple of comics honest. to talk about, too. Yeah. If we, I, I think the consensus is that we haven't come across a lot of comics of, about this character that we can, appreciate. in good conscience, recommend or appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. So uh, it, it, a lot of the discussion will be more focused on you know our personal thoughts on on the character how'd that sound sounds good to me man because we can just speak the truth no one's paying us to say anything else yeah uh you want to do you have any information about the uh the backstory of the creation of the character uh drew anything of that sort you know not too much that people couldn't find out for themselves online but just for uh just to Keep it brief, Shang-Chi. Well, Shang-Chi. I guess yeah. I guess we're both used to calling him Shang-Chi because that's just how we grew up yeah. referring to him. Um, but now that the know. movie trailer came out, we've been educated on the proper pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking the movie trailer as the uh the definitive pronunciation of his name. Yeah, because if you've listened to Albert and me for a long time now, you 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 know that we often mispronounce people's names. And I'm not just talking about comic book <laughs> characters. I'm talking about the people that make these comic books. Like, we struggle to pronounce people's names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part of our charm, I'd like to think. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I have here his uh, first appearance was in special Marvel edition number 15. Yeah. He was a creation of Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, interesting note. uh, I believe Jim Starlin created Thanos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jim Starlin's definitely created a lot of important characters for Marvel. Uh, Steve Englehart's done a lot of work for Marvel as well, especially during uh, the 70s and 80s. I think the thing about Shang-Chi is that we recognize he was created because... Marvel basically wanted to it was capitalize a cash on grab. fads. Yeah. yeah, it was a cash grab. Because yeah. you think about the time period he was created in, martial arts movies were getting pretty yeah. popular. Bruce I mean, Lee was a big thing. Yeah, Bruce Lee, man. Shang-Chi's basically a, a way for Marvel to have their own kind of version of a Bruce yeah. Lee sort of hero. If we had to be more cynical, we'd probably say that it's a way for them to rip Bruce Lee off without yeah. having to actually pay Bruce Lee. That's you know? pretty much exactly what it is. I mean, that's, yeah, exactly what it is. I mean, this this was the era when Luke Cage was originally created, you know, it, the to cash in on the black exploitation fad. Yeah. Uh, we, we had Iron Fist, who was another kung fu he- or martial arts hero. Yeah. So, so Marvel was just throwing a lot of stuff out like that to try and be in tune with whatever was hitting pop culture at the time. Well, can I, yeah. can I ask you this? Would you mm-hmm. say that comics, or at least Marvel and DC, the big two at the very least, would you say that they're generally behind the trends of most things and constantly just kind of playing catch-up? Catch up? Yeah. Just putting things out. And again, in order to... like and this is probably the most cynical way to put it, but just in order to try to capitalize on what's popular, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I don't think that's any secret there. It's pretty clear that they've done that since the seventies, at least. And yeah, they, I'm sure you can point to stuff today that they still do to try and, uh, you know, cash in on whatever's popular. Yeah. There's a bunch of comics that they just, throw out there where it's like who is this for why why did they make this like every now and then you'll see uh like some sort of collaboration like between like oh spider-man and jj abrams and it's like uh i guess uh, like he's a big name now so there's that it might have been a bigger draw 10 years ago yeah yeah exactly but again like we said they're just behind the curve yeah I, I remember they did this one comic where i think it was like iron man and i think his name was tim gunn was it tim gunn it was something gun from and it was uh the guy from one of those uh those fashion shows you know uh, really wow i don't remember that at all well i mean it really wasn't worth uh remembering, remembering. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm i gotta look this up now yeah, I remember there was an Iron Man comic written by Justin Theroux's. Is he who? I could be mispronouncing his name. It could be Thoreau. It's a T H E R O U X. I remember he did a an Iron Man comic that never got completed. Like he did two issues with Adi Granov, and and then like it just petered out. What's he known for? I don't even know who the guy is. Uh, he, 
according to his uh, Wikipedia entry, he worked with David Lynch on Mulholland Drive, Inland oh. Empire. Oh. Uh, yeah, I guess he's uh, an actor and a director, producer, and screenwriter. Okay. Okay. Well, I found the, the cover that I was thinking of. They did an Iron Man with Tim Gunn. And if you don't know Tim Gunn, like it's a very like niche uh, part of pop culture that he's involved in. But uh, he is known for uh, fashion design. Uh, yeah, it says here he's he's uh, the host of like Project Runway, you know. And again, it's it's like a very weird cross section. And I'm pretty sure if it were me and you in their uh, marketing room, we would have been like. This is this is for nobody who would get this. Yeah, right? yeah, I have but, no idea what that's what that is. Uh, but they uh, they still decided that they were gonna make this, you know, which is super weird. But yeah. Uh, oh my bad. I I just I just looked it up. I I think I was mistaken about the Justin Thoreau Iron Man. I think he actually did work on Iron Man two, the movie, oh. and the Iron Man comic. I was thinking that. That got canceled was written by John Favreau. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But you I know mean, what you reminded me of? You reminded me of that Punisher Eminem comic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, why did they make that? Like, I, I, this is a bit of a tangent, but it, I, I do feel like it's relevant. Um, like, right now, K pop is huge. Like, dude. <sighs> It would not surprise me to find out that somewhere over the horizon there's a Marvel Comics BTS crossover somewhere yeah. <laughs> along the somewhere out there, you know, like yeah, it's uh, and again, show and BTS yeah, and it'd just be like, who's this for? Written by Greg Pak. <laughs> that just sounds terrible. <laughs> who's this for? <laughs> BTS fanboys, I guess. Uh, and girls. I'm sure there's. I guess there's got to be a cross section out there. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see whether any of these make any kind of money that makes it worthy worth it for Marvel Comics to come up with the idea at all. But, see, knowing knowing comic book, uh, knowing the comic book industry. Yeah. I think the majority of comic book stores would have no real understanding of the popularity and the fervor of BTS hardcore fans. So they would under-order this theoretical comic book, and the speculators would jump on it, eat it all up before the real BTS fans could get it, and then the speculators, the people that we hate the most, would end up making a bunch of money. Kind of like, sounds... kind of like what DC did when they made that Batman Fortnite comic. Like that was a really big comic oh. and Fortnite's super popular, right? But yeah. people who who were doing the ordering, like the people running comic book stores, they just didn't understand how popular Fortnite was, so they yeah. underordered it, and it ended up becoming this, uh, you know, Huge collectible hot item. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I dumb. remember I remember that comic coming out, but I I guess I mean I guess this shows how like out of tune I am with like the comic book zeitgeist because well we're not really that interested in Fortnite to begin with so I don't think we would really care that much anyway yeah yeah it's certainly not for us uh but but finding out that it 
sold as well as it did. Uh, it's, am I surprised? A little. Am I disappointed? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So all that just to say that Shang-Chi is uh, another product of of that sort of uh, shameless uh, uh, cash grab comics creating creation. Yeah. You know? uh, but the, here, here's the one interesting quirk about Shang-Chi when he came out in the 70s. Like there is an element of Shang-Chi and his backstory that is actually based on a licensed property specifically the character Fu Manchu, you know, the yeah. quintessential yellow, yellow menace. menace. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can imagine just a yellow-skinned, uh, a wispy mustachioed, uh, you know, oriental. Claws. <laughs> There's no Very other oriental. word for it. <laughs> there's no other word for it uh He's extremely yeah. Oriental. yeah yeah there's just no other word for it just you know when whenever they wanted to create like a a, a threatening asian villain <laughs> uh that that had the trappings of uh of yeah yellow of the peril. orient of the yellow yeah. peril yeah that that's the guy yeah so so yeah. marvel actually had the license they paid for the rights to use this Fu Manchu character so I don't know if people today really know Fu Manchu but back in uh he was a character that was created I want to say like what in like the Victorian or early early 1900s probably I don't, I, don't, I can't remember I mean uh, I want exactly to say the when. Victorian era sounds right because that was kind of around that time yeah I mean but if I could be if wrong. you're really that interested in it, you can always just look it up on on the internet and get more yeah. accurate information than whatever I'm spouting off the top of my head. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, Fu Manchu was originally Shang Chi's father, so that was that was uh, part of his backstory, and uh, essentially uh, Shang Chi's father, Fu Manchu, ran this. I guess global crime syndicate or organization. Yeah. He was training yeah. Shang-Chi to be his successor, basically raised him in a bubble to be a master of kung fu. Yep. And uh, at some point he would uh, take over his father's crime empire. But when Shang-Chi learned who his father really was, yeah. he ended up uh, rebelling against him. So that was essentially the the basis for the original Shang-Chi series back yeah. in the 70s, which was, I think, primarily, I want to say primarily written by uh, Doug Munch, at least during, like, the, the Shang-Chi comics that everybody remembers and, and talks about was Doug Munch and Paul Gulacy, and, and I think uh, Gene Day was another big artist. So we said Englehart and Starlin created the character. I remember reading those early issues because i i uh, borrowed the omnibus of the very first uh shang chi stories from the library once and just to educate myself but Engelhart and starlin weren't on the series very long they 
I don't know why they they left, but yeah, it was it was mostly uh, Doug Munch uh, writing, and I think Paul Gulacy was the first artist, but I could be wrong about about that, and maybe Paul Gulacy came on later on. Anyway, the series it actually lasted pretty long. Uh, at least like an, it was probably at least like nine or ten years of the the deadly hands of shang chi master of kung fu which i always thought was a fun title <laughs> it is it is yeah um what was i gonna say i had a thought i was gonna interject but oh yeah but uh the 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 additional note to to your note on how fu manchu was originally his dad in that first series was that since it was a licensed character and, you know, with licensed characters, uh, there's a tendency for people to lose licenses uh, mm-hmm. when they don't renew them. So, you know, just as an additional side note, uh, it's it's something that's kind of haunted uh, Shang-Chi's character for decades since, just because there's always been, you know, with future writers taking over uh to write the story they've always had to bend over backwards to either work around it or to rewrite it or retcon it or whatever Mm -hmm. uh so um you know i don't know if you can tell this about like me and drew at this point uh you know in terms of our comic reading habits but uh when it comes to stuff like that it's it's it it it's a anchor around the neck of a lot of comics because uh, it's just the worst kind of uh, continuity. It's just the worst kind of continuity, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, instead of just telling a story about the character and, you know, a story that puts the character in the best light, uh, a lot of the times what ends up happening is people, uh, again, just spend a lot of energy and effort trying to rework the the story so that they can make sense of it uh while working around the fact that they don't want to pay for the rights to fu manchu yeah yeah Yeah. and and don't get me wrong i don't i don't think it's even worth paying for the rights for fu manchu again a shang chi purist yeah it's not about that particular element of shang chi yeah the the best i can say is that maybe about 10 11 years ago what they ended up doing with his backstory regarding Fu Manchu is is that Ed Brubaker, when he was writing uh, Secret Avengers, they did a he did a story with Mike Diodato where uh, basically the the guys the secret group that the Secret Avengers had been fighting it was revealed that they were trying to resurrect Fu Manchu and that's how Shang Chi became a Secret Avenger he joined the team to help them uh, stop his father's resurrection. But the thing that Brubaker did, which was pretty simple, was he just said that, I think without even using the name Fu Manchu, but he, he basically implied that the name that his father, that Chang-Chi's father had used in the past was only an alias, and his real name was Zheng Zhu, and he was just this ancient Chinese sorcerer who was immortal. Mm-hmm. So you know something something simple like that uh, was the the quick fix to yeah. the Fu Manchu uh, issue. Yeah, yeah, and without having to overdo it, uh, you just mention it and then move on. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is probably <laughs> the preferable way for that sort of thing to work, play itself out. Yeah, it, it sure beats <laughs> having Superboy Prime punch the walls of reality so hard that history and the Everything timeline itself gets ever rewritten. known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like somebody making a deal with the devil so that yeah. everybody forgets his secret identity. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, thanks. I, I can do without that. Yeah. <laughs> so tell well, me, Albert, what was your first memory of Shang-Chi when you were reading comics as a young lad? I don't think he was a character I was familiar with until much, much later. Okay. Um, yeah. And I I couldn't even tell you my first memory of Shang-Chi, honestly. He's like that. He was that obscure to me, uh, to the point where maybe I I might have seen a comic with him in in some random store and just was like, oh, this is a thing, and then just moved on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So have to, you don't remember what your first Shang Chi comic was? I really don't. I really don't. Uh, Do you remember when you heard of him or learned about him? I want to say that, well, okay, my earliest memory of him probably wasn't even from that long ago was, uh, was, okay. Okay, the most vivid memory that I have was um, when Iron Fist came out, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about Iron Fist as a character. And you mean the? Are you talking about the Netflix TV series? Yeah, I was talking about the okay. Netflix series, and there was a lot of talk about the character, and um, and this wasn't even that long ago, but yeah. uh, there was a lot of talk about the Netflix character, and there was a lot of talk about how, um, you know, people there were certain people who would have wanted to see Iron Fist made uh, recast as an Asian person as opposed to. Uh, um Danny Rand as a mm-hmm. uh, a faux or Asian or whatever mm-hmm. and uh I remember listening to the Kevin Smith podcast and what he had to say was uh and I might be remembering this wrong but I think what he had to say was something along the lines of oh was along the lines of well for him like martial arts comics like whenever he was into martial arts comics as a kid, he was more into Shang-Chi than he uh-huh. was Iron Fist. So I was like, oh, that's an interesting uh, thought was that, you know, that was yeah. the guy, you know, that he was looking to as opposed to Iron Fist. So, but I'm, again, that was fairly recently, relatively recently. So yeah, I, that, that couldn't I, have been more than five or six years ago. Yeah, exactly. So I'm pretty sure I've I heard of Shang Chi even before then. Um, yeah, I I think he was always just a dude that I thought I I didn't think anything about. You know, like even as an Asian person looking at him, I was just like, I don't know. Maybe there there was like some sort of aversion there growing up because I was I. I wanted him to be Asian people can't be cool. <laughs> Not even that. It was just, you know, I didn't want to only like him because he was Asian, but uh-huh. 
Well, okay, let me put it this way. I didn't want I I didn't want the only reason to like him to be because he was Asian. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But unfortunately, they just never gave us anything where Yeah, they just never gave us anything that made him something to be proud of, if I had to be quite honest. Yeah. I yeah, I mean it's frank. tough because it just it's one of those things that one of those characters that falls into the stereotype of Asians or Chinese yeah. people just being martial artists, you know, like yeah. if if I mean, your story's gonna have a Chinese person in the in the lead and it's a it's a male Chinese character, then he's gotta be a martial artist or yeah. some kind of nerd. Yeah. Or a, he's gotta a be scientist math genius. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well that which is a funny thing, uh, not funny, but interesting uh, that you brought that up because one of the things Kevin Smith was saying about Iron Fist and Danny Rand was, well, if they, and, you know, he didn't say this with malice. He was genuinely asking out of curiosity. And I think he was talking to Mark Bernardin at the time, but he was asking, he was like, well, if you have a guy like Iron Fist whose whole thing is martial arts, wouldn't it be more racist to make it, him an Asian guy? And, you know, it's it's an interesting point. I I, I wouldn't dis, discount that, but um, you know, uh, and I, I don't think I even really have an answer for it. But yeah, uh, like I, I think there's no denying that you know the martial arts or that particular form of martial arts comes from that region of the world, so it makes sense that uh, Shang Chi would would be a martial artist but i guess it's more about presentation than it is about uh the content in that in, in that particular instance right because yeah. it's not it's not just the fact that he's this martial artist it's like okay how are you portraying him as a martial artist at that point is he just like some sort of weird oriental mystic or is he <laughs> uh you know, is 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 his martial arts like just a joke or a fetish or what? Like that's 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 the real point, right? It's not yeah. that. Oh, it, it's not the idea that an Asian person would do martial arts and that in and of itself is something to find offense in. Um, it's it's more. Well, how are you? How's your treatment of that? Yeah. One, when you're when you're writing it, right? That's, I, I, I think that's far more important. Yeah, absolutely. Because you could do that kind of story. Like you can make the Shang Chi master of Kung Fu story. Yeah, that could get racist <laughs> real fast. But uh, it, it it could also be, you know, it could be fun. It it or it could be even something that's yeah. more than just fun. It could. Yeah. Like I wouldn't. I would say if there was someone out there who thought about it deeply enough, somebody could make a truly emotive or resonant story yeah. starring shang chi yeah yeah you know and it, it really is all about the the execution of the idea yeah and unfortunately like self-awareness is not a thing that uh people are naturally bestowed with so there are a bunch of people who i'm sure they have good intentions and they think they're putting it in a respectful light or whatever mm -hmm. but you know if you dress him up as like this oh he's so honorable and you know look at this and that and it there there's a cringiness to that too right it's oh yeah just, it, that's extremely cringy yeah it, it's 
it's it's somewhere along the same lines of the idea of a noble savage, right? Where yeah. it's like, oh, his ways are so different, but look how honorable he is. And it's like, <laughs> no, don't like just because you say that, you know, put the word honor in it doesn't make it a good uh, portrayal of him. That's that's just weird and uncomfortable. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like it. Not all like portrayals of him uh, are are that knee jerk, instantaneously recognizable as something racist or bad. Like there are people again, there are people with good intentions who think they're doing, uh, you know, uh, good work by cre- telling this story about him. That's just, but again, since they they don't necessarily have the awareness for that sort of thing. It it just comes off painful and mm-hmm. condescending and insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I'd, I'd rather just not have a Shang-Chi comic if that were the case. Yeah. 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 What about you, Drew? What was your, uh, do you have any memories of Shang-Chi or? Yeah. Um, so I actually did have a couple random issues of his comics when I was a kid. Nice. I don't remember how I got them. I might have either gotten them from my friend, like I had a neighbor who was a little, not much older than me, but a little bit older than me, and he just had a bunch of comics. So so maybe uh, I got them from him, or it, it could have even been one of those things where back in back in like the early 90s, they used to have these little packets, or uh, I don't know what you'd call them, but uh, I think Toys R Us and, and maybe some... Uh, some uh the bundles yeah the bundles like walgreens or something would sell these bundles of of comics where it's, it's just a just box with like five five random marvel comics yeah so i might have gotten it from there i don't I really those, remember man. i love those and i miss those <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like as a kid those were so fun to get <laughs> yeah especially because we didn't care what we got we were just excited to get comics exactly exactly <laughs> like if i had understood that you know uh comics came in sequential order and that there were these longer story plots or whatever then it would have been uh uh great uh but as a kid i didn't care so i was just happy to consume what i did consume and i I think i just thought well now that i'm finished with that issue that's it they they never dealt with that again yeah yeah so (laughs) So anyway, you and I were both born in the early 80s. So by the time we were old enough to read comics, Shang-Chi's time had come and gone. Yeah. Like yeah. His, his series was no longer uh, active Relevant. at that point. So yeah. uh, the only way to read his stories was through back issues because it wasn't like they collected, they weren't collecting stuff in trades or anything at that point. Yeah. So I had, had at least one or two random issues of Shang-Chi. Honestly... I don't remember really liking them or being impressed with them. The only thing I, I remember about them was thinking, why is his skin so orange? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, yeah. If, if you guys look at the old comics from the 70s and, and 80s, the Shang-Chi series, Shang-Chi is colored like an Oompa Loompa. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I think... I don't even think all of the other Asian characters are are colored the same, but for some reason he's always orange, and that that's just something. It's it's weird to me. It's and knowing that they've reprinted these comics in the recent past, like I'm talking within the past five years, they've done collections yeah. 
for Shang-Chi. Yes. They've, they've done omnibuses for him. You yeah. can find his uh, old issues online, I think. Like, there's, they're probably, I didn't check, but they're probably on Comixology or Marvel Unlimited, I would imagine, because yeah. they're, they're in trade paperbacks uh, that are still available today. And it's, they didn't, Marvel didn't recolor them or anything. So you can see how garish those colors are. And it just looks awful how orange yeah. these Orientals are. It's unnatural. <laughs> People don't look like that. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. It, it's, it, it, it's enough to make it hard for me to read those comics. Like, I tried reading them just to force myself maybe about four or five years ago because I felt like, you know, I, I should just read them just so I, just so I know. Yeah, and to I've educate maybe yourself. Like, yeah, to educate myself. And I got probably about like 10 or 12 issues in, and I was like, you know, I'm done with this. <laughs> like, yeah, the coloring was really bad, and, and the, the stereotypes did kind of annoy me. Well, they were just dumb, you know? Like, they yeah. they didn't just annoy me from, uh, from uh, like, just the fact that I'm Asian and I should be offended at how Asians are depicted there. But I think I was also offended at how bad those comics were (laughs) they could have had perfect coloring and i would have been like man this is boring yeah (laughs) yeah this yeah it's i don't think they hold up i think there are a lot of people that still speak pretty fondly of them and and if they don't necessarily revere them they they respect them and had enjoyment from them you know like what you were saying about kevin smith and how he enjoyed those Shang-Chi comics. But the yeah. thing that you got to keep in mind is that he grew up with them, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone reading comics today could, could really... Could put up with that. <laughs> yeah. It would... Yeah. It would be pretty tough. Like, I... And for me, I, I'd say I have a pretty open mind when it comes to reading old comics. Like, it's just something where if you've read enough comics, you, you have an understanding of how comics from every era of history come off you know like the the style of the writing is different the pacing of the of the stories is very different the art style is different and you can adjust to it because you're you're just such a comic book veteran and and even for me like recognizing all of those elements i still don't think that they're good comics yeah yeah there's only so much a person can take yeah yeah and, yeah uh, and i i feel like i need to mention he's definitely a character at this point in my life where i uh i like the character more than anything you like the idea of the character i like the idea of the character exactly uh, I, more than anything that he's ever actually been in <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah a lot but, of people when discussing the Shang-Chi comic of the 70s and 80s, tend to talk about the artwork because Paul Gulesi was a pretty hot artist at the time. Mm. And I, I'm all I can really say about that is I'm not a fan of his artwork. <laughs> like, no, no disrespect to him as a person. Uh, but I think his art, I can see why it's influential. Like, it... Compared to a lot of the stuff at the time, I think his rendering uh, is pretty detailed compared to a lot of other stuff, and he does make a good attempt to to capture, I guess, 
if not fluidity, he tries to capture the the action uh, poses to to really show you that you're reading a martial arts kind of comic. But I think there are enough quirks with his anatomy and how the characters heads sometimes they just look off to me like the the head the proportions look weird and it it's it just throws me off because he tries to draw in this realistic but action oriented style but his anatomy is is just flawed enough where every time i see a big head i'm just like it just looks weird you know it doesn't really fit the tone of of what he's going for but yeah i, I mean i understand why people who grew up reading it uh would be impressed i just don't think that it, it holds up mm, mm. i'd probably even say the same for doug munch's stories like he's somebody that was pretty yeah. pretty big in the 80s and and i think you've read a decent amount of doug munch comics too i mean he wrote a lot of batman comics when we were growing up in the 90s as well yeah i even read all of his all of his moon knight comics from the 80s yeah and i read those I, essential I, moon knights too yeah, I, I enjoyed his Moon Knight comics mainly because of the artwork. I think he had a few stories where he was experimenting with, with Bill Sienkiewicz and they did some pretty cool things together. I don't think his his writing is necessarily my favorite thing about him. Like I, I think his maybe his plotting would be better than his actual like dialogue or, or scripting. Yeah. On the other hand, at least he doesn't write as many words as Chris Claremont, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's still a lot of words, don't get me wrong, but yeah, maybe like 75% of the amount of Chris Claremont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just one of those writing quirks that comes with that period, if I, if I had to guess. You know? Yeah, it's a lot of over-explaining. It's a lot of yeah. characters speaking out loud when nobody is there simply for the benefit of the reader. Yeah. It's a lot of characters speaking their motivations. I mean, there's a lot of times when they could have just used a thought balloon, but they went with a word <laughs> balloon instead. Yeah. You know? And a word and a thought balloon would have made all the difference there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, you don't really see that too often. You don't really see those word balloons used so prominently you're more likely to get narrative captions which i think they're just it's just a more modern style of storytelling that's that's yeah. really all it is i don't necessarily think one thing is better or worse than the other but I, I definitely think that for people who are getting into comics now or just you know more recent modern fans or readers yeah. of comics there's there's no real reason to go back in time and look at those old Shang-Chi comics. Yeah. I will say that, um, you know, in in reference to your what you were saying about thought balloons, that um, we I feel like even though I grew up with them as a kid, uh, we've gone so far away from that now that when I do see it in comics, it catches, it's it's something that catches my eye. Uh, yeah. It's noticeable when, when it is used. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that being said, do you want to go into a couple of comics uh, that we have had or that we have read? Like, you know, the the any yeah. anything worth mentioning or 
other than the the Shang Chi, the original Shang Chi comics. Yeah, I guess we could talk about uh, one of the more recent comics that they've done. So this is Shang Chi Brothers and Sisters, which was a five issue miniseries. It was either 2020 or maybe even earlier this year. I think it, I think the issues were serialized in 2020 and the trade paperback came out uh, earlier this year. So Shang-Chi, Brothers and Sisters. This one's written by Gene Wen Yang. The artist is Dyke Ruan with some flashback art by Philip Tan. Color art by Sebastian Chang, lettered by Travis Lanham. So this one's notable because... This was the Shang-Chi comic that they basically put out so that Marvel would have something to to Cash hype up <laughs> when the movie comes out. Yeah. 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 And they it's also notable because they got Gene Yang to write it. We we've talked about Gene Yang on our show before. Yeah. Uh, he he wrote and drew American Born Chinese. He's a a multiple Eisner Award winner. Probably like He won a just, genius grant. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just one of the guys that you really like and respect and I've, I've got most of his independent stuff uh yeah yeah and, and and if you're interested in hearing more about us gush over gene yang you can always check out the episode we did on american born chinese back in back in may i think mm-hmm. so th- they got a pretty big name uh to, to write this story yeah they I, th- I think this might even be gene yang's first marvel comic i i can't remember if he did anything for Marvel before this. He had done quite a few things for for DC. He had written some Superman New stuff Superman. for them. He created yeah. a, a Chinese Superman called New Superman. Yeah. And that lasted a couple years. And he, yeah, he, so he he had done stuff for the big two, but I, this might be his first Marvel work. And I yeah. I, I believe currently uh, there is a a Shang-Chi comic by the same creative team, but I, I haven't picked that up. I've only read uh, the f- original miniseries. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's always funny when they do one of these because um, it's like, we want to get an Asian character and we're going to get, an, get an Asian, Asian creative team. Yeah, and we're going to get an Asian creative team to do it. And... I don't know, it it always makes me wince at the thought of it, but at the same time, Gene Yang is someone I have a lot of respect for and someone whose work I, I do enjoy. At the very least, we can trust him not to bring shame to our kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> he has not dishonored us. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, like, you know, I if... I guess I can go into it without giving too much away. Um, but yeah, when when they announced this, I I I think overall I had more generally positive uh, hopes for it than uh, than negative. And yeah. after having read it, uh, if I had to be perfectly honest, it was not something that I enjoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. like first of all, the art was pretty bad. Uh, like I don't know if it's an issue of the coloring or the inking or what. Uh, cause I think I was looking at some of the black and whites, and maybe some of the black and white stuff was like passable. 
but uh, I feel like what we did see just looked messy to be, yeah, if, if, mm-hmm. if I had to describe it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a story about how he uh, basically, and, and I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get all these details right, because I, I read it kind of in pieces as opposed to in one in one sitting. But yeah, you didn't in, in, have the stomach to consume it in one sitting. I read it in pieces over a couple of months because I, I, I actually read like the first half of it a few months ago and then I got caught up in some of the things and then I picked it up for this episode. But basically my recollection of the story was that there are these five families, uh, you know, ancient Chinese families and then... Uh, you know, there's some sort of call for a new head of the of these these five families, and the call is for Shang Chi. But you know, uh, along the way, he finds out that, um, or we we as the readers find out. Well, I don't even know if this is a new thing, but it, did was the sister that was a new thing, right? Uh, he like he has a long lost sister. I have no uh, idea if that was new or not. I, I haven't read enough other Shang-Chi comics to say for okay. certain. Okay, so it feels like uh, they, they reveal that uh, he has a long-lost sister, and, um, you know, they him, Shang, Shang-Chi, and various members of these other five families join forces to help him claim his rightful place at the head of these five families. Um, yeah. Basically, these five families are all represented by some kind of weapon. Like, there's a family of the hammer, dagger, saber, uh, staff, and, yeah, Shang-Chi is the head of the family of the hand, I think. Hand is what it is. And and they're all, like, their origin is that these families were all the, started off as the children of Fu Manchu, or... Zhang Zhu, as as his father is known. Mm. So uh, yeah, and I guess they're. It, it, I don't know, man. It, it, honestly, it was pretty hard for me to care about the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it was not. Again, I I wanted it to be good. I, in some ways, it sort of encapsulates my feelings towards Shang Chi. <laughs> in that you know, it's just something that I wanted to be good, but just wasn't <laughs> um, yeah I like I was thinking about it uh, just now while we were talking about it but part of me had kind of wished that if Jin Yang had been able to do a more like YA character centric sort of story <laughs> in the vein of some of the, his other works that he's done and it would have had a completely different look it would have been more cartoony or whatever Oh yeah, like if like, if if they had done something like Superman smashes the clan, but yeah. with Shang Chi and and they'd gotten Guri Hiru to to draw it, dude, it it would have been the greatest Shang Chi comic of all time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. But I I feel like I I don't know why they went with Dyke Ron or or Philip Tan. I the covers were drawn by uh, Jin Jim Chung, Jim Chung, and uh his artwork is fantastic you know it's perfect it's great uh 
comic yeah, book he, art. Yeah, he's got a yeah. pretty uh, good superhero style. Exactly, superhero style. That those that was the term I was looking for. But I, I guess he might be just too busy or something, or or they didn't want to pay him for page rate or what. But uh, but we didn't. Yeah, we didn't get Jim Chung. We we got Philip Tan and Dyke Ron. And yeah, Philip Tan is an artist I've never liked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he just draws in kind of that uh, Top Cow kind of style, you know, like just a lot of just re- overly busy, not a whole lot of, it's just really bland to me, you know, like. If you yeah. think about the Top Cow comics of the early 2000s, that, that's what I think of whenever I see his art. Yeah. And, and thankfully, in this series, he only draws a few pages per issue, like all of the flashback scenes. Yeah. So it's not a whole lot. The other thing I was I was thinking uh, was it... I don't know, but it kind of looks like Philip Tan's art was colored straight from pencils. I can't be... I can't say for certain, though. But that that's kind of how it looks to me, because it, it looks a little bit more washed out than his art typically does but uh Dyke Ruan's art I mean I I guess I can it's 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 art that you can read to follow the story but there's nothing about it that I would say is outstanding or there's nothing there's nothing no quality about it that makes me want to marvel at any particular scene or page or image <laughs> yeah and it, it's it kind of just looks like Marvel's house style, you know. Like I would, you think I so? would say, I would say that they're these past couple years, Marvel has kind of gone to this specific style of of art where it's very, very similar to something like, uh, I, I'd say the, the best practitioners of their house style would be somebody like Pepe Larraz or R. B. Silva. You know, like the these these artists that kind of draw in a style that's similar to a Stuart Eminem style, where it, it's very smooth lines, a lot of curves, uh, a little bit more on the cartoony end of the spectrum, but also more dynamic. Mm. But the thing with Dyke Ruan's art is is that it's not quite as dynamic as those artists, and I think there are also a lot of scenes where uh, I don't think he, I don't know. I I don't want to say he under renders things, but just compared to other artists that Marvel has been getting recently, like they, they've been getting a lot of artists from, from Spain and, and Italy, and they all kind of have this similar style as well. And I, I just don't think that Dyke Ruan's art reaches those levels. Like it, I guess I would say it's competent, but there are a lot of scenes where it feels like the colorist is doing most of the work and the the panel-to-panel storytelling for something that's supposed to be a hero completely centered around martial arts, there isn't really a great sense of action in the fight scenes. You know, it's it's like yeah. people jumping at each other and, like, that's it. You know, like, the the, the fight scenes are are pretty lackluster, which is something I think is disappointing when you're talking about Shang-Chi. Martial <laughs> like it, arts comic. Yeah, it, sure. it should be all about the fights, you know? Like, if 
if you can't draw a heavy hitting, exciting fight scene, then you're kind of in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say his his peaceful scenes are anything special either. Like it's just people standing around, like nothing particularly special about the acting or the uh, facial expressions. People just either look mad or they look like they're grunting. And that's kind of about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like two facial expressions. It's not a lot of range of emotions. <laughs> yeah, even even the last page when the characters look happy, it it looks like a, it's a weird kind of happy, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. There's just something about his art that I th- I think he can definitely get better. I don't th- I don't think he's hopeless or anything. But I, I would say that based on on this comic, it's it's not my favorite art. It's not the yeah yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of painful, man. <laughs> to be honest, uh, yeah. Because it's just like I just I just want to have one good comic with the dude, you know. Or yeah, maybe I'm a little more selfish than that. But one good run, you know, just something that I can have in some sort of collection and just be able to go to every time I want to read a Shang-Chi story that I can be proud of. You yeah, know? You, you want an evergreen story. Yeah, yeah. You want you want Shang-Chi to have his own Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, You want basically. Shang-Chi to have a Batman Year One or All-Star Superman, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. Heck, heck at this point, man, I'd, I'd even take uh, Enemy of the State. Really? Yeah, I, I would say Wolverine, Enemy of the State, still better than any Shang-Chi comic. Oh, wait, I was thinking of something else. I was thinking of uh, Jeff Lobin, that uh, Eddie McGinnis story. Really? Was that Enemy of, was that Enemy of the State? What, what was their story? I was thinking of Mark Miller on Wolverine with uh, yeah. John Romita Jr. Uh no, I, I, I'd still rather take the Shang-Chi story over a Jeff Loeb story. Yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't that bad. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a story called Enemy of the State, right? Uh, for, oh, the, okay. I was, of thinking of, I was thinking of Public Enemies. Yeah. I oh, was like, yeah. so when you said that, I was like, oh, man, really? That, that hurts. Yeah, I was like, that that's pretty terrible if you would prefer that over... <laughs> No, no, this is definitely yeah. better than Jeff Loeb. There yeah. is one moment that I really did like in this series, though. Yeah. There's a moment early on in issue one when Jin Yang brings Leiko Wu back into Shang-Chi's life. Yeah. She goes to his apartment. It's funny, it, it starts off in San Francisco, but uh, I can't really say that that uh anything about it reminded me of san francisco <laughs> like there's one establishing shot with the golden gate bridge but it's like, yeah see um, san francisco that, that's, that's that's nowhere near chinatown <laughs> <laughs> but um he brings back leiko wu into shang chi's life and leiko is, is one of the characters from the 70s and 80s series like she was uh one of his his love interests Oh, yeah, the other thing that uh, I think we should mention about Shang-Chi's backstory is that 
those old comics, he was a super spy. So he was kind of a combination of Bruce Lee and James Bond. Oh, he worked right, with right, right. MI6, I think, to and and another and some spies in MI6 to track down and fight his father. So Leiko Wu was was one of those other spies. So she comes back in this story, and and they end up having the short scene in Shang Chi's apartment. So they start talking in in Chinese first, but Shang asks her to switch over to, to English, and she says, no offense, but your English sounds like a fortune cookie. It's hard to take. You've been <laughs> in the West for quite a while now. You know the language. Why do you talk like that? And in his internal narration, Shang Chi says, I found that if I slow my cadence and use quote unquote wise words, Westerners look at me rather than past me when I speak. And then the scene kind of goes on from there and their conversation continues. But I, I thought that moment, like that moment where Jean Yang finds a way to acknowledge how white people in the past have written Shang-Chi, it, that, that made me feel good, man. Like it, mm-hmm. it was something where I felt like for once, like for one moment in this entire run, Gene Yang wrote something that reminded me of the Gene Yang that I love, you know, like the, yeah, the stuff yeah, that, yeah. like when he's at his best, he he writes stuff that has that kind of commentary and and acknowledges reality. Yeah. But the yeah. like that, yeah, that moment is, it was just something that stood out to me. And and, and even after finishing the story, I, I went back just to to look at it again because it it was probably the highlight of it all, even though the whole story is just this action-packed romp. I think that one quiet moment was the one moment that that I'll remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It did something for me. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I don't remember it quite as much or quite as vividly as you did, but now that you're mentioning it, it's uh, it's popping out at me, and it's. Uh, I vaguely remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, but going on from that, we can also talk about another comic that... Do you, do you have any other comics? Uh, any other... Uh, well, we, we don't even have to go with comics where Shang-Chi is the star or whatever there could be like moments too yeah moments that you appreciate with the character Mm -hmm. like uh one of the ones that i think me and you talk often about is in hickman's avengers run and that first i I forget which issue it was exactly but it was like in the first yeah and it's and this is it's an interesting thing because this was I want to say this was kind of his Shang-Chi's mini renaissance at this point, because up to this point, I hadn't really seen him in much of anything except occasionally as a reference or something. And then suddenly uh, in this run of Avengers, Jonathan Hickman puts together this whole new team. And interestingly enough, he includes Shang-Chi in, in the roster. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's it's jarring initially because you know you've got 
a, a techno specialist, you've got a super soldier, and you've got uh, you know a god of thunder. You, you you know these beings that are just on this whole other level, and then you've got a martial arts expert. But, yeah. But this this one scene that always jumps out at me where um, Tony Stark's talking to him, and um, I think it's Tony Stark, and he is yeah, it's Tony Stark. He's basically saying, are you sure you don't want me to like put some, give you some weapons, like, you know, boost you up or whatever. And Shang-Chi just looks at him and, you know, puts up his hands and he goes with, with these, what other weapons would I need? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have and, the, I have the page open right now, dude. And, and uh, it, there's something funny about it because you see Shang-Chi training in the background and Tony Stark is, welding something together at his uh, workbench and he's talking to, to Shang-Chi and he says, I'm not blind. Efficiency of movement, generation of power, your diagnostics are off the chart. I also know you're a trained expert in all the traditional arms of your various disciplines, but I'm thinking beyond that. Something new, a fusion of styles. Tradition meets technology. Uh, the technology part would be me. Anyway, my point, have you thought about weapons? And then that's the moment where Shang, Shang-Chi kind of just looks at, he walks up to him and he's shirtless, you know, so you can see all his muscles. And he says, <laughs> Anthony, beyond these, what weapon could a man ever need? <laughs> and then the next panel is Tony Stark stops doing what he's doing. He, he pulls up his goggles and just smiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of my favorite Shang-Chi moments yeah, Jonathan Hickman had a lot of love for Shang-Chi. And yeah, he, yeah. I don't know if you remember this comic. It's kind of an obscure comic. But there was this uh, black and white one-shot that was just called Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. And I want to say it came out bef- before his Avengers run. It might have come out while he was doing Fantastic Four. Do you remember that comic? Um... It, it, it was a zany comic because, and get this, the cover has Shang-Chi and Deadpool. <laughs> yeah buy this comic guys <laughs> yeah exactly the, the whole concept of the story was over the top ridiculous it was it was kind of like this homage to that 70s era of of crazy and zany comics that were just trying to cash in on on exploitation films because this this story was about deadpool and shang chi in a kung fu motorcycle race <laughs> <laughs> I never read that. That's not familiar to me at all. Okay, yeah, that yeah. that one was fun because of the art. I, I want to say, I, shoot, I I didn't I don't have it uh, at hand, but I I want to say I think the artist is Cody Chamberlain, but I could be wrong about that. It, it's it's really kinetic, exciting art, and the the concept is just so hilarious that that uh, you can't help but enjoy it for what it is. You know, it, it's it's Shang Chi and Deadpool. In a kung fu motorcycle race. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I wouldn't say it's emotionally deep or anything like that. But if we're just talking about good comics, that's a good. Yeah, comic. it doesn't have yeah. to be, you know. Like, yeah, sometimes fun is fun is cool, you know. I'm yeah. okay with fun. Yeah, that is a fun comic, and and Hickman gave. Shang a bunch of good moments in that entire run of Avengers. Like I remember yeah. one of my other favorite moments that he gave Shang-Chi was in the Infinity crossover. 
And I, I don't remember exactly which issue it was. I think it was towards the end of the story, though, when I think the Cull Obsidian, the, the Black Order, were heading towards Earth and the Avengers were meeting them in space. So there was a small team that was, I think it consisted of, of Shang, Black Widow, and Eden, to, uh, or Manifold. He teleported them onto the enemy ship, and they ended up fighting uh, Black Dwarf, who is the, the super strong rock-looking dude uh, from the Black Order, if... Yeah, he's, remember, he's their heavy. Uh, those movies. Yeah, he was he was their heavy, and he ends up he ends up fighting Shang Chi one on one, and this is a guy that is basically powerful enough to go toe to toe with the likes of Thor or the Hulk, but he's just fighting Shang Chi, and Shang Chi doesn't beat him or anything like that would have been probably you know implausible, but yeah, dude, he he lasts pretty long against him, and and he he doesn't. He doesn't get killed or knocked out or anything. So I think that alone just kind of shows you how tough he is. Like there's this moment actually where where Black Dwarf is just uh, perplexed at how this normal person is still standing before him. Like, why won't you fall? And and Shang basically says something like, does a, does a tree fall from a slight breeze? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the scene right now. Oh, you found it? Well, I'm I'm on my uh, desktop computer, so I just googled it and oh, I'm, nice. I'm looking at it. it's a uh, I think it's Francis Leyland Yu. Yeah, Francis yeah. Leyland Yu drew that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and Shang Chi basically holds off Black Dwarf long enough for the coalition to arrive and beat the heck out of Black Dwarf. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, it's Hickman's got a lot of love for him, and I, I definitely, I, I guess the it's it's a bit of a little dream to imagine a universe where he got to write a a, a Shang Chi comic, <laughs> you know? Oh man, like for, a, a Jonathan Hickman ongoing Shang Chi comic. <laughs> yeah, that that could have been super fun, you know? Like if you gave if you gave Hickman like sixty issues of Shang Chi. <laughs> 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 that would be our definitive shang chi comic <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah um yeah speaking about a comment that you made earlier where this is a martial arts comic and uh there was a lot of well and and for a martial arts comic the focus should be on the 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 martial arts, right? Like it should be on the di- like how you draw the martial arts, yeah. how dynamic the movement is. It reminds me of this comic uh, that was from Secret Avengers, where David Aha drew a bunch of scenes of Shang Chi in the midst of a fight, just throughout the entire comic, and it's just gloriously done, you know? Yeah, I have that comic with me right now. It's- yeah. Secret Avengers number 18. The yeah. title of the story is called No Zone. This yeah. was uh, Warren Ellis and David Aha. And David Aha, is, he's definitely one of the great artists, greatest artists of our time. Yeah, yeah. Like Not only in terms of uh, his, his just flat-out drawing skill, but as a storyteller and a, and a designer, his, yeah. his sense of movement is just incredible. Like, there's yeah. a... Just like on the second page, right? Like Shang Chi is fighting these 
soldiers who have these blades on their on their forearms and he messes them up in the span of like five or six panels yeah and each each hit is just depicted with so much force you you know that it's painful you know like there's a yeah. sense of of power in his drawings that was sorely lacking in something like the Dyke Ron uh, comic. Like yeah. there wasn't any of that sense of power. There was just a lot of posing. Yeah. Which I, I think it's it's hard to capture that in a still drawing, you know, but yeah. David Aha is so good that not only do you get that sense of movement, but you get the sense of impact. Yeah. And the, it's, it's really hard to capture the impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make it believable that, you know, just by watching it, that you feel this guy getting punched, you know, mm-hmm. you feel the force of it. Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to mention about it is you could tell that they were maximizing for the purposes of the story. They maximized the circumstances so that you could get Shang-Chi doing as much crazy stuff as they could, you know, mm-hmm. because they understood that that was the point of a martial of a story that was focused on martial arts was we have to be able to see him doing all sorts of crazy things. So one of the things that they design is the the story is a one off, or I mean, I guess it works in the context of the other stories in the series, but if you read it on its own, it would make sense. I mean, they're mm-hmm. essentially infiltrating the base of a secret organization. The crazy thing about this secret organization is I believe it's in, in something akin to like a Tesseract or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you don't know what a Tesseract is, it's a it's essentially a small enclosed space with unlimited space within it or, or at the very least a, a larger space within it, you know? Mm-hmm. So just something that... Um, by the standard of physics should be impossible, but it's a pretty crazy idea. And the thing about this world when you enter it is it's basically an MC Escher painting. Yeah. So if you and if you're not familiar with MC Escher, the 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 thing that he's most well known for is these stairs that uh that basically never end. They're just walkways and walkways of stairs that just go to nowhere, you know? So mm-hmm. so um yeah the they just draw uh, Shang-Chi fighting hordes of goons in just this crazy uh, space where the laws of physics just don't apply, you know? He's running upside down on stairs, he's flipping over uh, upside down and, like, landing kicks and r- landing right right side up again. It's just it's so cool and just so crazy to look at, you know? Yeah, it really is, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. The The violence in this is extremely well depicted and it's all done in a creative manner too funny thing is is how in the story it's shang chi basically teaming up with captain america and sharon carter to attack this base and like he's he's doing all this work you know like captain america and and sharon carter are, are knocking people out too but they've got they've got weapons with them you know and shang chi's just doing it all with, with his body yeah. And there's even a line where he, he he tells them that he came on this mission with them, uh, you know, because it's it was supposed to be a stealthy secret mission. Uh, and here, oh, I found the line. He says, I came to aid you in a mission of stealth, extraction, and honor avenged. I resent being made your thug. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then, like, 
That's see, pretty dignified. Yeah, he, and he's he's having this conversation with Captain America while these guys are charging at him from behind, and then Captain America is like, Shang, behind you! And he's like, very calm, just, I know, I'll deal with them. And then he, <laughs> next panel, you just see him like do this casual move where he, he grabs a dude in the headlock and kicks the next dude. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> man... Uh, that's yeah. the kind of Shang-Chi comic I want, man. We exactly. need more of that. It could be so fun, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, talking about it with you right now, it just makes me long for the Shang-Chi comic that we never got, the Shang-Chi comic that we could have had. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, totally, man. Uh, yeah, so do you feel there are any other comics uh, that are worth mentioning? Going back to Hickman's Avengers, uh, there is one more comic that I thought was a pretty good spotlight on Shang-Chi. So during Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers, there was also a spin-off book called Avengers World. Now, he didn't write the entire series himself. He co-wrote issues one through five with Nick Spencer. But in issue three, there's a story uh, where Shang-Chi basically fights one-on-one with the Gorgon. And this is uh, the Gorgon created by Mark Miller and John Romita Jr., that that, uh, hand uh, assassin dude, I guess. He's he's a mutant where if if you look into his eyes, he turns you into, into stone. So it's a, it's a fight against somebody who's, pretty powerful in terms of just fighting skill, but who also has powers and an army of ninjas to back him up. Yeah. And Shang-Chi just, you know, he fights, he fights all the, all the goons and he fights the boss, you know, I guess you could call him the the boss and it's kind of interspersed with, uh, I don't know, I guess just maybe in in a way you could say it's like elements of (laughs) Oriental mysticism to to kind of (laughs) give, Shang-Chi some more flavor. But I don't know. There's something about it where I still thought it worked. Uh, Stefano Caselli drew it. So he, the art's pr- pretty good. It's it's fluid and, and action-oriented in a kind of more of a traditional way than someone like da- David Aha. But yeah, if, if you can find a copy of Avengers World number three, like just as a as a fight comic, it's it's pretty good. Like it, it's entertaining. It's, there's There's enough... Uh, internal monologue to to give some depth to the character, some depth and shading to everything that's going on. But the the action that's drawn is pretty fun too. Like there's there's some pretty fun uh, there's just panel to panel continuity. It it works in terms of telling uh, a fight scene. It it, it kind of feels like someone like Dyke Ruan should probably um, try to adapt things like that. Where you know you know he should probably look at how other artists have have depicted these fast-paced martial arts scenes like that that would probably help you know like there's a lot of a lot of people in comics you know just because of the nature of the the stories that these are like there's there's always you're always going to be drawing fights and action scenes but it's hard to think of a lot of guys who truly excel at drawing fighting and action. 
Yeah. Like, I, I think there are people, a lot of artists are, are able to draw the spectacle and they yeah. can draw a lot of uh, posing and kind of the traditional heroic poses, but to be able to draw fights and action like that, that's probably something a little more tough to find, especially in uh, American comics. Yeah. I feel like if, when you go to manga and, and you look at fight comics, like your, even like your typical shonen fight comics that we don't necessarily have too much fondness of, fondness for, like at least in those, the, the fights are still pretty good to look at, you know, from a technical perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, unfortunately, it's one of it's a, a situation where I don't know. Maybe had their editors, you know, really put a lot of thought into who they wanted to draw Shang Chi, other than beyond, you know, someone Asian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's for sure that that's what they were thinking, but <laughs> I'm, yeah, like. I don't know. It feels like me and you as layman's can look at it and we can we can tell that the the emphasis on fight dynamics isn't there, right? Yeah. And uh yeah, like it, it's it's a lot of things. It's not just fight dynamics, it's anatomy, it's uh um, you know, capturing movement. It's uh yeah. Impact. Impact, exactly. Unfortunately, Degron just ain't that dude. Not um, yet, at least. Yeah. So, well, okay. So now that we've discussed some of the comics that we have read and, you know. There, there's one the, other Shang-Chi oh. comic that I think is good. Sure, sure. Like genuinely good. And this is kind of a, a weird one to pick, but Ultimate Marvel Team-Up numbers 15 and 16 so back back in the early days of Ultimate Spider-Man, Bendis also wrote this uh, spin-off called Ult- Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, where every every story, which was usually just one or two, maybe three issues long at a time, of uh, Spider-Man would team up with some other character that hadn't been introduced in the Ultimate Universe yet. So in issues 15 and 16, there, there was a story with, with Shang-Chi. And this is a very simple story, really. Um... And it, it's basically about Spider-Man and, and MJ uh, witnessing Shang-Chi beat up a group of thugs. Like it's it's kind of funny because they're they're walking. Uh, I, I guess they're just passing through Chinatown or something, and they see this group of thugs of like you know it's like six or eight eight people surrounding Shang-Chi in an alley, and they're just about to go to town on him. So Peter Parker's like, oh, crap, I got to help that guy. So he, he goes up to the rooftop or, or uh, you know, somewhere hidden so he can put on his Spider-Man suit. And by the time he's done putting on the suit, Shang-Chi's already beaten up all those dudes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I – was that the scene where he beat them up with fish? Uh, no, that was the something that happened in the opening scene. Oh, okay, okay, okay. In this one, he, he just used his, his uh, bare hands and, and, and his, you know, kicked them and stuff. Nice, but nice. Uh, l- later on, uh, Peter and MJ are talking, and he's like, man, I got to find that guy and ask him to teach me how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oddly enough, we do see that eventually happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a pretty yeah. simple interaction, but it it really 
works. You know, like it, it's it's a very simple story, and it's essentially just a reason for Rick Mays, who's a, an excellent artist, to draw a lot of martial arts action and a little bit of Spider-Man to you know complement it. But there's also uh, a kind of this parallel story and. Again, I don't, I don't know if this is going to make you cringe, Albert, but Bendis presents this parallel story uh, that's supposed to be, I think it's like on the very first page, it's it says, there's a note that says it's translated from the original text of a Chinese fairy tale. Okay. So I don't know if if, if you, you think that's like some kind of appropriation or, or something weird. To me, I, I thought the way it was handled was totally fine. Like it, it didn't make me think... Hey, some white guys trying to write about yeah. Chinese culture or anything like that. Like um, I, I thought it was, you know, really well done. I, I mentioned this earlier on in in the episode, which was, you know, if 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 it's something that has enough awareness where it doesn't come off as condescending or fetishizing, then you know, by all means, right? And, mm-hmm. and I understand that that's a really like huge gray area to ask anyone to like fill because <laughs> yeah. it's like. And and I also understand that one man's condescension is just another man's uplifting. Um, yeah. So, you know, I it, it's a hard area to to discern. Um, but that being said, like I, I mean, if I come across something where I'm just like, what is this? You know, yeah. I, I I I can't help but uh, but mention it and um uh, and make make note of it. And, and probably uh, disparage it. Yeah, and probably disparage it exactly. <laughs> and if and somebody else doesn't feel that way, like I, I wouldn't know what to tell them. I just you probably like, just disparage that person. Probably, I'd just be like, I, I don't understand how you're not insulted by this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, like how would you feel if I told you that I slept with your mom? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a compliment? <laughs> Is that? What if- is that the guy's like thanks you found my mom attractive yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) but anyway Uh, yeah this parallel story here is uh of this chinese fairy tale um or fable it's very spider-man-esque because it's and and shang chi-esque because it's about a prince whose father was a very cruel emperor and he doesn't want to be like his father or take over his father's uh, empire. So he leaves his father's land and he, you know, just wanders away uh, in search of somewhere different to live. And as he's walking, he comes across a spider who asks him what he's doing and why he doesn't want to to rule the land just like his father. And uh, basically it, it's something about it, you know about honor and and justice but at the end of the story uh the spider basically says something like i want to learn how to be an honorable person like you um and and the prince says you might think that you do but you don't this journey i go on is only for one man and they part ways and the spider never saw him again so it, it's one of those things that that parallels the uh, you know the the main story between Peter and Shang Chi. 
but I also thought it was it was really well done because that that uh, portion of the story was illustrated in a in a brushstroke kind of style mm. by this artist named Andy Lee. I don't really know much of his work, but uh, L E E or L I L E E, yeah. So his he draws it in this brush style that's pretty much just like uh, I guess like those old Chinese uh, like uh, the yeah the the old calligraphy yeah like uh, calligraphy exactly yeah that kind of art yeah and that's I, really cool I, yeah it it, it yeah. does look really cool and I think I think it totally elevates these two issues man like anyone yeah. listening if you want if you want a good Shang Chi comic. Look up those two issues on Comixology or what issue Marvel is it Limited. Against? Issues 15 and 16 of Ultimate Marvel Team Up. Yeah. I mean, there there are other comics we've read that have Shang Chi in them. I feel yeah. like most of the time he's he's just like in them, but he doesn't necessarily have moments or or highlights or you know they're they might be perfectly fine comics, but they're not necessarily oh. If you want to read a Shang-Chi comic, check this one out, you know? Like, yeah, I, I think yeah. about that uh, Ed Brubaker Secret Avengers story. Uh, it was issues, I think, 6 through 10. Eyes of the Dragon, it was called. And that's the story <laughs> where uh, yeah. where they were trying to resurrect uh, Fu Manchu, whose name was revealed to be Shang Tzu. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was, a, you know, that's a, a good story in and of itself, but it, it's not necessarily something i think of when i think of shang chi it just so yeah. happens to be a shang chi centric kind of story yeah yeah um yeah just listening to this to to this conversation with you i i i i've come to realize that you've definitely read a lot more shang chi comics than i have it's uh i was uh i was hard pressed to I wasn't too confident that I was going to be able to fill that much conversation, and you've you've more than picked up the uh, the torch and ran with it on this on 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 this particular topic. Yeah, man. Just just because you've dishonored your family, <laughs> I will. Uh, I mean, I've dishonored my family in more ways than than just this. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I just went on a podcast and told. Uh, publicly about an instance where I told someone that I was going to sleep with their mom. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's not a very honorable thing to do. <laughs> um, well, I guess if the person's mother <laughs> is single and inviting wow. and consents to you, then I, I don't, it it wouldn't necessarily be dishonorable. So you're saying that there's a universe where this is just a, a statement of fact as opposed to an insult? No, I'm saying that it's possible for you to say that to a very specific person and it's, it might not be an insult. I'd say in like 99.9% of the time, it would be a big insult. Yeah. But there's you know, got to be a point zero one percent chance yeah, exactly. out there that there's someone where if I said this to them, they'd just be like, oh, he's got me there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. 
I did not see that conversation going that way. Me neither. See, that that's probably the reason why nobody pays us for this podcast. <laughs> what? We're, we're just if, pushing and kicking uh, yeah. sponsors away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're losing money. <laughs> so I have to ask, um, now that we've talked about the Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi comics that we have had, um, like, yeah, I guess in reference to what we've seen in the trailer, um, I guess I, I'm curious to know what 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 qualities for you make up are, are intrinsic to who Shang-Chi is. Like, if you were, if we were to talk about the the ideal quintessential Shang-Chi comic, like what what qualities do you think they have to include or would you look for so that it would be the perfect Shang-Chi comic for you? Okay, so for me, I think my perfect Shang-Chi comic would definitely be different from the movie. Mm. So, Because the way I look at Shang-Chi, his most important characteristics, number one, obviously he's Chinese. You can't really get around that. And it's unfortunate to say, but that's a rare enough trait in Marvel Comics that you kind of have to take that seriously, you know? Like, he can't just be another hero. He's he's the Chinese superhero, you know? Like, that's that's basically yeah. what that means. Like, when I think about it, um, like, in terms of, like, prominent Asian characters, not even heroes, like, yeah. in recent year, we, years, we've probably seen a few more here and there yeah but for the longest time i couldn't think of anyone like my first thought would would have probably been iron fist <laughs> he ain't even asian and he's not even asian exactly right like the he man was, like, has legit. conditioned you into being accepting of <laughs> of yellow face yeah <laughs> i mean his mask is literally yellow face yeah <laughs> But um, there's Sunfire from the X-Men. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I get. Yeah, we had him and we had Sunfire. We had Jubilee. Uh, yeah. So there, there there's was, a good there amount of those. Asian characters. That's true. It, it, it barely feels like these Asian characters get the same amount of love, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. If you were going to make a movie starring an Asian Marvel character, where would you go? You know, like it it, it feels like Shang-Chi is, has to be one of the top choices just because just by default age, you know, like, yeah yeah like he's been around since the 70s so yeah like i guess you could make a i don't know what else there like a, you said jubilee earlier that that would that would be pretty funny actually i don't know if uh, i would want that but yeah it would be funny if they could put together a compelling uh, idea for a jubilee story sure it's, it seems pretty it'd unlikely. Be intriguing. It'd be intriguing. That's what I can say. Like, if, if they put that out there, I don't know if I would uh, be a, 100% in on it, whole hog or anything, but I would... As, as long as they didn't make the movie about her becoming a vampire, I'd be, I'd be mildly interested. And additionally, as long as she's not being played by Jamie Chung. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more important. <laughs> uh, so you were saying, um, 
Okay, so one is he's Chinese, so that's yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's a, core a keystone, of, core element. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? Two other main components, I would say. Obviously, he's got the martial arts mastery. He's the master of kung fu. You know, the deadly hands of Shang Chi, master of kung fu. So that that has to be important right there. You know, he if if you do a Shang Chi story where he's not a martial artist. I would I would question why you would even try to do a Shang Chi story. Yeah, <laughs> essentially what I'm saying. Like it, it's yeah. it's so uh, integral integral to the concept of the character that it's in his title. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you could get rid of it unless you yeah. were trying to do a story where you were making a commentary about martial arts by excising that element from the character. Yeah. But yeah, if I were it just telling, it would have to be tactful. It would have to be pur- purposeful. Yeah, but if I were just telling a story, if I wanted, if I had carte blanche to to do my own run on Shang Chi and just tell the story, uh, like over a long period of issues, then those two elements are obviously foundational. And the third element that I would cling to is he's a super spy. I think that's an element that probably most people wouldn't consider for Shang-Chi, but for me, that that's a keystone element. Like, I don't, I actually don't think his relationship with his father is a key element of the character. Like, I'm, I would be okay if we just moved away from Fu Manchu or Zheng Zhu or the mandarin whatever you want to call him now like i'll be okay <laughs> if we moved away from that you know like obviously i won't ignore his backstory but i i just don't want to constantly do these stories retreading the same ground over and over like he's got to be able to fight other people besides his father yeah i don't yeah. i don't want to see him always fighting his dad over and over again mm. like that's like number one it's it's repetitive Secondly, it just kind of makes it feel like people can't think of great new characters for him to deal with. It's always it's, can't always be his father. It's kind of interesting how that formula reminds me of um like that old show Kung Fu the Legend Continues, right? Where it's just this serialized weekly show and every week, you know, he 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 has his villain of the week, but there's like the overarching like big boss villain that that kind of haunts or looms over his the entirety of his life you know like Mm -hmm. the original sin of of whatever his creation story was right yeah Um, yeah so that's so when you put it that way that's that's the image that pops into my mind is just i could totally imagine this have this being pitched as a a weekly television show where it's like he's on the run but uh you know his father is chasing him and every week he solves some other crime but it's all building up to this final showdown with against his dad someday you know he's he's gonna try to find him and he's gonna uh uh do right or whatever Mm -hmm. you know Uh, so it it's funny that you that you put it that way yeah yeah and I, I don't think I have anything against, and I don't have anything inherently against uh, the concept of him fighting his father, but 
I just want I just want to move away from that. That's that's the main thing. It like I understand why the movie is gonna go that direction. Uh, I I guess I can also understand why they're making his father the Mandarin. Really? But I what's your I, what's your rationale I guess, for that? <laughs> I I understand it because that's like on the surface that's like what he's known for you know like that's his original series was all about him fighting his father so yeah by that standard how can you not assume that fighting his father is a core component and a foundational element of not only his character but of the concept of shang chi so i i understand why they would go that direction i just don't prefer it and i i hope that this is one of those stories where they kill the villain at the end. So we don't constantly see him coming back to, <laughs> you know, like, I guess in a lot of Marvel movies, they've tended to kill the villain. So you rarely see people come back for more. Mm. I think that was one of the things that some people, some segment of fans were complaining about because you wouldn't really see villains come back. And it wasn't until uh, recently when, you know, we had uh, Baron Zemo come back uh, that people were like, okay, finally Marvel has allowed uh, a villain to live on to fight in a new movie or TV series, as it may be. Right, right. So with with Shang-Chi, it it feels like, for me personally, I, I would probably want them just to kill the mandarin off at the end of this movie so we don't have to deal with him again and, and we can actually move the character forward in in the future movies okay okay i'm, I'm assuming that there's going to be future movies yeah well uh, i hope <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i mean i guess it doesn't matter it's not like i personally have any stake in it but <laughs> <laughs> what you don't have so you don't have enough love for the Asian American community that you, you don't want this movie to succeed. I'm hoping that they cast me as uh, Shang Chi's chubbier, older, more pathetic brother. <laughs> uh, that's that's the that's the the degree of my stake in this film. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I think about it, I I don't think I I can encapsulate my my core thoughts for Shang Chi Shang Chi to be in in the same way that you have. I I'd really have to think about it more and kind of break down. I, I guess I'd have to study more uh, on on Shang Chi just to be able to see if I could develop uh you know three or what what his core concepts are um Mm -hmm. i think more broadly though i i do i will say this much um just as a personal uh personal desire i i think I i think i would I, not I would, but I would definitely move away from any Oriental mysticism. That's not something that I've I have yeah. like too much or any appreciation for. Uh, if I was to tell a, or if I was 
talking about the ideal Shang-Chi story that I would want to see, I would probably want something that... Oh, well, I've, I've had a couple... I've played with a couple of different ideas uh, that I'd like to see. But, you know, uh, one of them being, you know, just a straight kung fu film, uh, like something over the top, where if they had Quentin Tarantino doing Shang-Chi uh, in the style of Kill Bill or something like that, I'd be all about that, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, just a revenge flick where he just goes around beating people up. Like, that's that's perfect, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, another idea that uh, that I'd have, that I, I'd be interested in exploring is uh, something that uh, that could be a homage, homage to, uh, it's it's called the Hong Kong New Wave. So, you know, around the 80s, uh, there was a period of time where, like, Hong Kong cinema was coming up and it was you know the big deal it was it was they were showing their flexing their muscle as um as indie film creators that were outside of hollywood you know so we were seeing a lot of like film noir or uh crime noir type of films that were coming out of uh hong kong in in that period of time um mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I, I, I can't name too many off the top of my head, but I want to say, like, The Killers with Chow Yun-Fat is, is, is one of them. Um, you know, that that's... Uh, I feel like that's one of the ones that gets mentioned a lot, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it'd be cool to see uh, Shang-Chi as more of a noirish crime story, you know? Yeah. Um, where, yeah, just build a story around him. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even say that I would move away from the idea of him facing his father. Like, I, I might even include, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that as being part of it as, um, you know, if they were to do a story about um, crime families then it's hard not to move uh not to include that element of it right mm-hmm. um i might even broaden I, I it wouldn't it would even be interesting to see them to expand the cast beyond just uh this antagonism between him and his father uh but to to any other family members you know uh new family members or whatever uh in this crime family of theirs right yeah. So that's that's something that I think could be an interesting thing to play with, you know. So there's definitely a lot of avenues that the story could go. Um, to your note about the Mandarin, I, I felt like I had to mention this um, just because uh, I don't know what your personal thoughts on the Mandarin were uh, growing up, but <laughs> I think he was actually one of the first, like, and, and this might be uh, kind of twisted on my part, but he was like one of, the, so he was probably the first instance of reading a comic where I was like, oh, an Asian person like me, right? And yeah. Because yeah. he was Asian, I I gravitated towards him. I actually liked the Mandarin a lot, you know. Yeah. I, I love the rings. I thought the rings were cool, and um, I I was I've always had a special place in my heart, uh, for that character, even though um there's even though as i've grown older i've come to understand the idea of a yellow menace and uh and what the mandarin 
to to other people could look like you know yeah uh the the idea that this guy is this other villain uh you know and for all intents and purposes, he's he could just be a dude who's really proud of his heritage and he just walks around <laughs> dressed like that, right? Does that really make him a bad guy? <laughs> right? It's like he, he just likes to wear his chung sam, right? What's the big deal? He he he, he likes kimonos. What's wrong with that? <laughs> that ain't even Chinese. It's not, it's not. <laughs> but um but yeah, like in in recent years, they've I do feel like they've moved a little, they've moved away from that that look for him, where they've put him more as a dude in a suit, you know. Yeah. Uh, they've still kept his long hair and his uh his facial hair and you know long wispy fingers, but in this current movie, uh, we've seen. I, I thought it was interesting that they chose. Uh, I believe his name is Tony Lung, or as as the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they decided not to make him look like that, you know, and it makes sense, you know, that they just wanted to make, look, make him look more modern with short hair and, yeah. uh, no wispy, uh, menacing Fu Manchu beard and mustache combo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting that they made the Mandarin Shang-Chi's father in the movie, huh? Yeah, I mean, I guess I do see a, a logic for that in that they wanted to move away from Fu Manchu and the Mandarin was a character that they owned the rights to uh, mm. all out. So in some ways, it makes sense for that to play itself out that way. Um, but I think in my heart, the Mandarin started out as an Iron Man villain and he'll always be an Iron Man villain. And the idea that he's one of iron man's greatest villains was always something that uh that uh inspired me (laughs) yeah the the mandarin is definitely iron man's one of his top two villains right after jack daniels (laughs) uh his his busted liver (laughs) (laughs) Uh, demon in a bottle (laughs) yeah and and I feel like this is worth mentioning too, but uh, Tony Leung as the actor, I thought he was a great choice too, because he's a dude who comes from that new wave era of uh, of Hong Kong films, and um, he's very famous. And he's now- he's very famous over there. I don't know like if his standing is quite as huge over here, but uh, he's known for working with uh, Wong Kar Wai quite a bit. I think uh, he was in he was in the original film that the movie The Departed was based on and mm-hmm. I believe he played Leonardo or Leonardo DiCaprio played his role in the movie so um you know that's that's just kind of a testament to the caliber of actor that this guy is you know uh I believe the movie was called in where was that I just have it Infernal Affairs, yes. So the movie was called Infernal Affairs, made in 2002. And if you haven't seen it, that was the original movie that uh, Departed was based on. And it's, you know, uh, it's pretty great work by him, with Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty big name, I think. Probably probably will help uh, the movie in the international market. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but I'm sure right. it's all I'm a sure calculated move on Disney's part. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything in the in the trailers that you've seen for the for the film that jumped out at you? Anything that uh, in a good or in a bad way, or just noticeable? Um, anything that you thought was worth commenting on? I think that in the trailer there's a scene of Shang-Chi and Aquafina in a on a muni bus. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was like one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. So it's like for one, muni buses are not that clean. <laughs> like that that is the cleanest muni bus of all time. Yeah. And secondly, the people on that bus are way more attractive than the people that actually take the bus. <laughs> like that, seeing that, it, it totally, completely took me out of the mentality of the film. You know, it's like, how can I maintain my suspension of disbelief when something is that unrealistic? That's very interesting because I looked at those people and I didn't find any of them attractive. Yeah, well, you just hate all people in general, so. I do, I do. So, take that with take that uh, comment with a grain of salt on my part. <laughs> I find and all also, humans detestable. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that Muni bus uh, on the wrong street? I don't. I feel I like it's what it was. somewhere by it Polk Street. It's not a street that runs bus routes. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 So. Highly unbelievable. <laughs> I know, man. They can't even get those details right. What's up with that? Who they think we is? Chumps? I know, man. Is it, we it, chumps or isn't we chumps? They think we is chumps is what they'd be thinking. And but we isn't. It, we isn't, man. We isn't no chumps. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, of how in either Ant-Man or was it Ant-Man 2 when it, it only takes them like 15 minutes to go from the Marin Headlands to to uh, <laughs> downtown San Francisco or wherever it is they were. Like, man, Tim that's so unrealistic. Tim Particles. <laughs> <laughs> they shrank the distance between the Marin Headlands and San Francisco. <sighs> he jumped over to San Francisco and then re-enlarged it, and there he was. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing Razor Fist, though. Yeah, you were you were totally on the Razor Fist train. I always have been, man. I, yeah. I, I probably have the same amount of love for Razor Fist that you have for uh... Mandarin. Well, maybe not quite that much. Okay. <laughs> maybe like half of that amount of love. Oh, what were you gonna say? I don't <laughs> know, man. I was, I was reaching for something, and and uh, I, I discovered that it was not within my grasp. So if you hadn't intervened, we probably would have had like 15 seconds of silence as I was trying to think of something. Jeez. Now I'm trying to think about something that I love to the degree that you love Razor Fist and uh, Hobgoblin. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to discuss that someday. I'm still, I mean, I get it, but I, I mean, I don't hate the Hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I yeah, love maybe. Razor Fist the same amount that Zach loves Paste Pot Pete. 
Oof. Oof. Okay. Interesting. Dude, Zach loves that dude. Does he? Yeah, he's that got a hilarious name. He does have a pretty funny name. And he a does, pretty funny does. gimmick, shooting super glue at people. Come on. Yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> Yeah, you think about that. You think about that. <laughs> Here's another question for you, Albert. Sure, shoot. Do you think Shang-Chi could plausibly beat up the Abomination in a cage match? Well, you did just tell us a story about how Shang-Chi was able to hold off Black uh, Black Dwarf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I don't know if he could beat the abomination, but he could by survive. that logic, he could survive. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, let's go with that. So, do you think in the movie, do you think he will outright beat the abomination, or do you think he's just going to be able to survive until something happens that allows him to get out of there? Oh, man. Does it count if he outsmarts him or tricks him? What could he possibly do to outsmart or trick him in order to definitively beat the abomination? He could go to the IRS and tell them that the abomination has been evading his taxes all these years so that the IRS is going to have to arrest him and put him away. And he wins by default. That sounds like something the IRS would not be able to handle. It, it kind of feels like the IRS could try to arrest him, but the <laughs> abomination would just kill everybody they send at him. And they'll just send wave after wave of accountants until he's tired, and then <laughs> <laughs> arrest him once he's, he's tired, once he's laid down and decided to take a nap. <laughs> Doesn't the abomination have almost limitless stamina? Well, we'll just have to see if the IRS has limitless amounts of accountants to throw at him. <laughs> uh, which, who would win in a battle? An immovable, immovable force or, uh, or uh, no, wait, no, an unmovable force or an immovable object? What was it? <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. Yeah, there we go. There we go. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Is there anything that you hope to see in this Shang-Chi movie? Or what do you hope to get out of the experience? Ooh, I think it's the same experience that I've always been hoping for, for Shang-Chi, quite honestly. Um, I just want something that I can be proud of. He's... He's... Shang-Chi as a character is kind of like the black sheep of my of my superhero children or whatever you want to call it in mm-hmm. that you know I've always wanted I want him to succeed I want him to be in something that I can uh, uphold as something that I can be proud of and something that I can enjoy you know, uh, he's a character that I want to to read about, right? Mm-hmm. But I have yet to see that ever. So, I I guess that's a pretty low bar to to give to give Shang Chi, 
but yeah. And if I can be perfectly honest, assuming that they get a sequel, uh, I, I I have a feeling that this could suffer, like aside from the things that I, I I'm not too in love with that I have seen in the trailer. Uh, this also might suffer from the fact that it is it is technically an origin story and i don't know that i you know yeah. we've, we've mentioned this before in the past but you know uh our we're we're, we're both kind of tired of origin stories at this point you know yeah so i don't know if i want to like I'll, I'll watch it i i can't say that i'm excited at the thought of another origin story yeah yeah and I also uh, want to mention what we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier about how uh, compared to some of the other upcoming Marvel flicks and the trailers that we had seen, like I, I guess Shang-Chi wasn't the one that you were particularly excited for. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, even, I'd go so far as to say that I was more excited for the Mandarin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but, I, no, no, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. I, I was gonna make a, a couple of other comments on on it. Just you know, things about the the movie that uh, I guess observations that I had. But you know, well, did uh, did you have a question? No, I was just gonna say uh, that you were saying how. The, something like the Eternals, or I ah, guess yeah. there's no V in the title, but Eternals uh, was something that had more appeal to you as a yeah. as a viewer. Well, actually, I was just I guess you know it's a good that you brought that up because that's exactly where I was just about to go. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in preparing for this episode, I I watched the trailers again and uh, the trailers for Shang Chi, and yeah, I definitely can't say that I was excited for it. I was just, you know, I was ready for it. I was ready to watch it. Let's just put it that way, right? Yeah. And then I watched the trailers trailer for The Eternals, and that was something that I was genuinely... Enthused? Enthusiastic to watch, exactly. And yeah. I caught myself wondering, what was it, what was it about these two things that could generate such different responses for me? And... I do think there is something like again I I don't know what Disney's Disney or Marvel's like thought processes are behind the scenes but if I had to guess there is something about Shang-Chi like it's like you said it's a it's an action film it's a martial arts action film so the focus is going to be on the action and I get that so mm-hmm. um but that being said there there does feel like there's this focus on almost uh this broy action aesthetic that comes with a lot of martial arts stuff you know like at worst it's steven seagal film at best it's uh <laughs> ang lee film you know uh-huh uh like it's a it's a pretty wide spectrum but um it, it did leave me thinking like what if uh chloe zhao had been di- the director for this movie for uh for shang chi instead like i i don't know yeah i definitely don't know how she would have made up for fight choreography experience or stuff like that but there's definitely elements in uh 
in the Eternals trailer that were far more eye-catching and far more appealing to me. There's a grandness and an epicness to that story that you don't see captured in Shang-Chi. You know, there's just these grand, like, uh, sweeping scenes of just nature. Um, yeah. Whereas Shang-Chi, like, you, you, there are flourishes of things where it's like, oh, that could be interesting, right? Like, uh, scenes of ancient battles with uh, uh, armies of ancient, I can only presume that they're Chinese armies. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that stuff could be interesting, but like I could also see it devolving into like something like the mummy or something like that, you know, where it's just a bunch of CG battles. Yeah. Like there, there are parts of, uh, of those scenes in, in Shang-Chi that kind of remind me of, uh, this is like a Disney fied version of a Wuxia film or something. Yeah. 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 And I don't know that I want that. <laughs> yeah. Right, actually, yeah. I'd, I'd go as far as to say off the top of my head, if someone asked me, I don't want that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and this might sound, uh, this might run counter to what we were saying earlier about how, you know, Shang-Chi is, a, you know, he's a martial artist, so any film or story about him has to focus on his martial arts, but I, I would want to see something with, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd want to see something with more of an emotional core, something with more heart, and maybe that's uh, that's telling of the kind of Shang-Chi film that I would want to see where it's, you know, uh, Shang-Chi in a lot of conversations before mm -hmm. you see a, a fight scene or something like that, right? Yeah. You know, just a lot of buildup before the actual fight actually takes place. Totally, totally. So... So uh, yeah, those were. Oh, and the other observation that I made was I um, I'm not too big of a fan of his uh, let's call it costume in in the series. Like, I, I understand that they want to have a uniform look between Shang Chi and the rest of the Marvel MCU. So yeah. like they give him that like thatched looking material, but it looks cumbersome to wear. And Shang Chi being a martial artist. I feel like he needs to be flexible because it looks like it's like either hard leather or hard plastic or something like that. You yeah, know? that's true. It it doesn't look like it offers him too much in terms of flexibility or mobility. And I think, no, I, I probably would have preferred it if he just had like a tracksuit or something. <laughs> yeah, a tracksuit or just fight shirtless or something. Yeah, yeah. I know that that doesn't necessarily sell merchandise. Uh, it definitely was shirtless that could sell it, merchandise. It doesn't sell t-shirts. <laughs> I guess you could put his shirtless body on a t-shirt. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Shang-Chi's logo should just be a six-pack or something. <laughs> uh, washboard abs should be his logo. Crack into a slim gym. <laughs> uh yeah, those were those were my primary takeaways from the trailer. Yeah, I think when you mentioned that it, it looks like one of those dude bro kind of action movies, I could I could see that man, and I I do hope that it's more than that. Like that that would be kind of uh, I guess hollow if it turned out to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Like something about Shang 
about Shang-Chi that I want to see is, uh, I mean, what you described you wanted to see, I would I would definitely be interested in seeing that too, you know, a bunch of conversations before uh, to build up before uh, a big fight scene and dealing with, uh, I guess, the more crime noirish elements of of what you could do with uh, that kind of backstory he has. Like that, that sounds good to me. Like I would, I would want to see something like that. But when you uh, were asking earlier about what I, what I see as his core characteristics, I think you did make me think of what my ideal Shang-Chi story would be. If, like, if I could write, not necessarily a movie, but if I were doing a comic book series, like if you gave me a bunch of issues guaranteed to tell a long form epic about Shang-Chi. I would I would definitely want to do a story that zeroed in on those three elements. Mm-hmm. And I I think it it wouldn't just be like something superficial where oh yeah, he's Chinese and he knows martial arts. But <laughs> you know, I think it it would work as a metaphor for uh or the the spy master element would I would use that as uh, the super spy element is something I would use as a metaphor for identity and I I think just as an Asian American you could do a, a lot of stories that figure uh, that play on on his identity because he's a super spy but he's also a normal person who operates in a world populated by supermen essentially mm-hmm. you know he yeah. he doesn't have metahuman powers he's just exceptionally well trained and he knows how to fight and his his body is basically a weapon yeah yeah so it's like he he doesn't necessarily belong in you know alongside the avengers even though i mean He's obviously been an Avenger. We've, we've just talked about some of those stories, but I, I think I wanted, I would want to do a story where it's like the Avengers don't necessarily think of him as an Avenger like the rest of them. You know, like on some level, even even Hawkeye is more of an Avenger than Shang-Chi, right? Mm. And it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And nobody nobody questions that. But because Shang-Chi is just the martial arts guy. He's always different from them, you know. And maybe it's not just because he's the martial arts guy. Maybe, maybe it is because he's Asian. You just don't have Asian heroes. So yeah. I think playing with that element, you can really do stories that explore the identity, his identity, you know. Like it, yeah. like it's the same kind of thing that I think most Asian American people, or really any any uh, non-white yeah. American person would would yeah. would identify with, you know. It's like just that yeah. that that um tension between your heritage or where your parents came from and the culture that you're surrounded by you know shang chi's always got to deal with the fact that his father is this global uh, criminal who runs this sophisticated crime syndicate but he has nothing to do with that you know he's trying to be something different yeah kind of like the and, and the funny thing is, is that his dad, you know, had high expectations for him, just like yeah. any other Asian parent. Yeah, yeah. Has for their kids. That is pretty. Totally a jumping off point, and I think for me, I would. I, that's what I would use his father as. Like his father would be a looming presence, but I, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. want to do a story where he fights his dad again, where he's yeah. trying to like take his dad down. But you can't escape 
your your identity and and that's the kind of story that that would fascinate me if if you if anybody could do that with with Shang-Chi man like just yeah. do some kind of long form story exploring his character you can still keep him doing all the cool martial arts stuff doing all yeah. the super stuff working alongside other superheroes but do something where all of that works as a metaphor to tell stories about who he is and where he fits in the world I I I definitely get behind that, you know. It's on some level it'd be it well, no, it not on some level. It would definitely be a more realistic take on the idea of Shang-Chi, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just a more uh complicated uh layered person than what we're probably going to get at least at least for the time being. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you don't think that there's any chance that Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is gonna be our Black Panther? You know what? Maybe there, maybe I'm just downplaying expectations for myself. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, your heart's been ripped out too often. Yeah, you know. I mean, not even in not even in regards to Shang Chi, just in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's uh. Yeah, like, one, there's the fact that Shang-Chi as a character, like I've said, we've seen them try to do uh, Shang-Chi time and time again, and it just doesn't, it, it doesn't land, or it's just not a long-lasting, permanent thing, right? Yeah. And two, like, what I have seen in the trailer hasn't given me a whole lot of faith that it's going to be that kind of, it's going to be the kind of Shang-Chi story that I would be interested in or would want to see, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I have a feeling it's going to be something that leans more on the side of, yeah, he's just cool because he does martial arts. Like, it, it might as well be a Zack Snyder film, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is like, I want to I wanna see... I want to see him doing uh, martial arts and I want to, I want to do cool slow motion shots where you can see him breaking a dude's jaw. Um, I, I think this is going to be better than that though. Cause at least from the trailers, yeah. what we've seen of the action scenes, it still looks better than a lot of those other uh, movies you described. That's at, true. Like That's at true. least in that Muni fight scene, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like 50 smash cuts in or 50 cuts, you know, in, in like a, <laughs> In a few seconds second span, span. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least the choreography. And it's not is all better. sepia toned. <laughs> yeah, and it's not. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you you've sold me on that. So okay. Uh, it's it's still better than Zack Snyder's anything. <laughs> totally, man. Totally. Oh yeah. One one more question I had for you, man. Do you think that there's anything? in this movie that's going to make you feel like, oh yeah, that that's San Francisco, baby. Like this movie takes place in San Francisco and we can be proud of that. Or is this going to be one of those movies where you think it's like, man, you can't see the Golden Gate Bridge from there. That doesn't make sense. Uh, well, seeing as how San Francisco is already a backdrop for Ant-Man, I have a feeling it's just going to be more of the same. <laughs> I, Do you I, think Ant-Man will show up in this movie? It'd be, it would make sense. Like, I feel like, well, uh, probably not. <laughs> like, <laughs> or the wasp. Yeah, probably not, unless they just happen to be crossing the street or something. 
They're on the Muni train or on the yeah. Muni bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you? What, what do you think uh there's going to be anything in reference to San Francisco that's going to make you feel like they did San Francisco right? Uh I don't know. I think from the trailers there were there were some scenes where where you can actually recognize some of those places. Yeah. But other other than that, I don't know if there's really anything that uh to to I don't know. It's it's like could this story take place anywhere else besides San Francisco? Probably, right? Like yeah. I don't know if there's anything inherently uh special about the location they chose. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool if if they if there was a reason, you know, if like there was some something that that made it like a I don't know, like a San Francisco movie. Yeah. But I don't I don't really expect that. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it kind of feels like the city will just get uh, used as a brief backdrop for his civilian scenes before they go to China and deal with his father. Yeah, I think. I'm likewise like-minded on on that, so that's probably the case. Yeah, and the other thing that I uh, realized recently from uh, the YouTube uh, channel, uh, Marvel's YouTube channel, is that Benedict Wong, you know Wong in Doctor Strange, he's gonna be in this movie. I don't know if it's gonna be anything more than a cameo, but you were saying earlier how you didn't want to see any kind of oriental mysticism <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so yeah. wong it looks like we're getting a, that he's the master of the mystic arts right so does this count as oriental mysticism uh well it's not oriental but it's certainly mysticism <laughs> with orient uh, with asian trappings so yeah we're, we're gonna get some well look regardless even if benedict wong was in it just from what we've seen in the commercials uh or in the trailers like the, it's gonna be a part of it you know it's it's gonna it they're gonna do stuff about chi or whatever and uh, i don't know I, I yeah i'm not super high on that as a as a story concept or or as a as as an element of Shang-Chi. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not completely against it either. I mean, there there are some stories that I where where I you know, I I'll buy in on it. Um even Iron Fist when when Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction and uh yeah, when Brubaker and Fraction worked on that, like they did it right, you know, I was entertained by it. I was I was in on it. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. But uh yeah, like I guess I guess my stance is if they're gonna do, and I think we talked about this, in, I forgot which which podcast, but oh, uh, like I was talking about Saga. This was what I was talking yeah. about in Saga. How like if if magic's going to be a thing, I want it to be as mysterious and as like used as minimally as possible you know like mm -hmm. unless or if they're gonna go big with it if it's gonna be a big magic thing then it's gonna be like lord of the rings where it's just you know yeah just a huge um powerful. force of nature yeah. powerful force of nature that they're dealing with you know so yeah. I'd, I'd much they're going to do it then 
I, I would prefer it be used sparingly or, you know, just only in the extremes. Nothing, you know, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I can see that. It makes sense to me. Yep. You got anything else? Not really. I guess last thing I would say is uh, if anyone is interested in checking out a Gene Yang comic, don't start with the Shang-Chi series. Check out his yeah. creator-owned stuff. Check out American Born Chinese, Dragon Hoops, Boxers and Saints, or even Superman Smashes the Clan if you want a superhero comic. Like That's definitely the... one of the best superhero Superman stories I've read. What about the Green Turtle? The Green is... Turtle. Uh, the Shadow Hero. That's Shadow Hero, called. sorry. Yeah. Shadow Hero. Yeah. That, that's another good one. I mean, yeah. I'm a big Gene Yang fan, and if I were recommending a Gene Yang comic, those are the ones that I would want people to start with. I, oh, good. If 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 we were just recommending Shang Chi comics, I mean, I guess the just the ones that we talked about earlier would be the ones to to dig into. I mean, it's kind of like about, slim pickings, honestly. Yeah. How about something that is like a Shang-Chi comic for someone, you know, uh, someone who just wants some martial arts or yeah, you know, like something that could be a good stand in for that. Um, for some reason, the first comic that came to mind was fight for tomorrow. So this is a, this is a martial arts comic that, Vertigo published probably, I don't know, like early 2000s, maybe. It was written by Brian Wood and drawn by Dennis Cowan. And I think uh, Kent Williams inked it. I don't remember, but I, I think that's the creative team. That that one was a, a six-issue miniseries. And it's pretty simple, but it it's a story about this guy who's really into martial arts, basically rescuing uh, his, his girlfriend from some... I think there are gangsters or something uh it's, it's a pretty simple story but the artwork is just excellent man it's it's dennis cowan doing his martial arts thing and he he has a great sense of of movement and impact just uh stylistically it's it's a fun comic and if, if you just want martial arts comics that's that's a good one i mean there's probably like martial arts manga, if people are are into that, um, I was just, I guess, I was just thinking in terms of uh, American comics. Mm. Mm. What about you, man? You have anything that you'd recommend to people feeling a Shang a Shang Chi kind of mood? Yeah, uh, I actually got a couple of things. Um, one, I haven't read this yet, but I would still recommend it, if only because. Uh, the art is fantastic, and it's not even a series that's complete yet. It's something I picked up uh, recently at a comic book sale, which was Orphan and the Five Beast. It's written and drawn by James Stokoe, and it's only four issues long, and only two issues are out. The next two issues are set to come out, one, in, one I think, this year and one early next year. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a martial arts comic, and his art is just terrific, you know? Uh, hyper detailed, super dynamic, super fun to look at, uh, and it's a martial arts comic. So there's that. Uh, in regards to um, the other thing that I would recommend, I would actually recommend 
Big Trouble in Little China by John Carpenter. Uh, oh, the movie? Well, yeah, the movie. But there's actually a comic that he did that he co-wrote with um, Wait, Eric John Powell. Carpenter himself co-wrote it? I believe he co-wrote it with Eric Powell, those first 12 issues. Oh, wow. I didn't know he actually worked on it himself. Well, let me double check. That's um, impressive, man. I remember uh, you were tracking those down in the quarter bin for a couple of years. Well, I still don't have it all. I I just have that first. I'm still missing the very first issue. But other than that... um, You know, those key collectors snapped it up. They probably did. Bastards. (laughs) Um, But what I was going to say was... Oh, wait, here. Uh, I'm looking at the volume one. Um, Yeah, John Carpenter co-wrote it with Eric Powell. Nice. So, nice. so the cool thing about the movie is I, I actually watched it recently, maybe like last year, if not two years ago, and I thought about it. And this was a movie that I think was way ahead of its time in terms of like how it depicted. Uh, uh, I don't know how else to put this, but how it depicted like Asian people in films, um, <laughs> like watching it with today's lens with with a modern eye is really interesting actually because the main character is or not even the main character like the the point of view character is this guy jack burton who who is a truck driver who i guess befriends uh locals in chinatown in san francisco right and Mm -hmm. what they end up uh getting involved with is uh essentially uh a, a chinese wizard Right, and they end up having to fight this ancient Chinese evil wizard uh, for for the lives uh, for the lives of their their friends and their their loved ones. Okay, Asian the, mysticism. It's well, that's the thing. It's it's he he's he was the dude that plays uh, the main villain in Big Trouble in Little China. He would have made a perfect Mandarin twenty years ago. 30 years ago you know yeah yeah he would have been the perfect dude for it and but the the thing that i thought was really interesting about uh big trouble in little china is the even though kurt russell is the main is kind of the face that they put on the posters Mm -hmm. uh he's he's kind of I wouldn't go so far as to say that he's just a doddering buffoon that just like happens to be like <laughs> with the with the the actual fighters. Yeah. And he's certainly not like a white savior in in the film because okay. uh, time and time again, like he does stuff and he just kind of <laughs> messes it up or uh, like you know uh, or he's just kind of along for the ride. You know, mm-hmm. whereas the, the actual stuff that's being taken care of is done by the people around him, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a pretty interesting way to do the story because, you know, I, I just feel like so often we see in these stories, we do get someone that's whenever you have someone who's a non-Asian doing a story in uh, yeah. in the Asian community, they they usually end up being the savior, right? Yeah. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it it feels it feels funny, it feels weird, right? But yeah, I, I don't think Kurt Russell, like, you know, spoiler, he does end up doing the finishing blow, but it's just kind of 
he gets lucky after you know <laughs> he's he's kind of a, a hobo indiana jones type of character he's kind of a rough around the edges indiana jones type of tough guy and he's not a dude that you know picks up martial arts just because everybody else around him does martial arts and in fact he runs around with a gun with a machine gun you know yeah so all the other people around him are doing martial arts and all he has is his pistol his knife and his fists you know <laughs> gun food so yeah yeah so i it's it's i thought it's really uh really well done and really interesting uh the guy who plays uh lopan in in the film who's the evil ancient chinese wizard he's a he's an actor by the name of james hong and he's 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 been in a lot of stuff i'm sure like you'd recognize his voice he's got a pretty distinct voice uh he was in the jackie chan cartoon the jackie chan series he played one of the voices of the villains mm -hmm. he was in kung fu panda like he's in a bunch of stuff uh and i'm sure you'd recognize him if you heard his voice or if, even if you saw him but he's uh he's pretty cool and he he again if this was 20 years ago he would have been my choice for Mandarin for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie. I should check it out at some point. You should, man. Like, let me know if you watch it. I would definitely watch it with you again. Yeah. It's just, it's a fun movie, dude. Yeah. I'll look it up. Yeah. yeah. The other yeah. comic that, that uh, would be good if, if somebody wants a, a Marvel martial arts story, we were talking about it earlier, but the immortal iron fist by Brubaker fraction and David aha. And yeah. interestingly enough, even that story did a thing where uh, Iron Fist dealt with uh, these different families or different cities that that had their own like immortal weapon. It it kind of yeah. reminds me of the the whole family of weapons that Jun Yang did in his Shang Chi story. I feel so like I, he was the guy that set the trend for that. I mean, not that. Yeah, like that was something that, that we saw. People hadn't in, done it before. Yeah, like it's Jeff Lemire did that the same thing. We saw that in, in uh, Iron Green Fist. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say Green Arrow uh, by, what was it, Lemire and Sorrentino? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels like for some reason that idea has just cropped up like a few times, three times at least uh, yeah. in the past, what, like 15 years? It's just, it's, well, I'm, I was going to say unfortunate, but it's not unfortunate. It's just, I was going to say, like when Brubaker did it, it was, I guess, new even though it's not really a new idea, but I guess it was at the time it was like, oh, yeah, why it was hasn't new for Iron a superhero Fist? comic? It was new for Iron Fist for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when they did it, it was like, oh wow, this is really cool. But then seeing it time and time again after that, it's been less special. Yeah. <laughs> every time. It's like, man, it's in Green Arrow now. It's in yeah. Shang Chi. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those tropes that I guess is an easy way to build a series of martial arts kind of stories yeah it's it's a world building tactic uh that expands beyond the established world uh, and and iron fist worked but i just was not as into it uh like and yeah and the other thing is i i think i just wasn't into the names that they came up with for the different houses or families like you know house of spear or house of hammer house of sword or whatever it's mm -hmm. i don't know there's nothing captivating about it but with uh with fraction i i you know i thought there was a poetry and elegance to the different names uh fat cobra and uh the wolf or whatever <laughs> you know 
uh, I thought his characters were creative, original sounding. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, any final thoughts, Albert? Um, I constantly uh, go to sleep fears that I'm going to die alone. Thanks for listening to Between the Gutters, everybody. Bye.